college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. (laughs) Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. His squad is in the house. Place at the table podcast. Big week. Week one in the books, college football. We had a lot. Second greatest comeback in college football history with a potential number one overall pick. Blue chip quarterbacks going down, Francois Eason. Big 12 embarrassed with Texas and Baylor. Ohio State, Bama, business as usual. But don't sleep on Clemson. Give me Liberty. Give me Buckshot Calvert. You had trash cans, rope chains, Pimp sticks. And right now you got Andy Staples and Patrick Maher. It's Place at the Table podcast. And with that, we say hi to Andy. Hi, Andy. Can we talk about the trash can? We, we have to, you know, but you, real quick, you did say we're going to learn something come week two. And yeah. we have four, not big, four monumental games coming up that we're going to get to on Place at the Table. Yes, at place at the table podcast well that's not necessarily true it's at p-a-t-t podcast place at the table pod at gmail.com if you'd like to get a hold of us i'm patrick maher and that is si's andy staples and he is obsessed with the trash can see i'm not obsessed with the trash can i'm obsessed with the reaction to the trash can (laughs) because lots of other schools have trash cans like Texas A&M's trash can got tons of TV time last year because it says, and this is my favorite part about it, y'all trash right. on it. Right. And they, the defenders, if they get a turnover, they go take the ball and they put it in the trash can. So nobody said boo last year when Texas A&M did it. And by the way, they had it in the midst of yet another late season collapse, but nobody said, oh, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But Butch Jones does it, and suddenly it is the dumbest thing anybody's ever seen. And... I, my working theory is that no one would have cared if it wasn't Butch Jones. That's just whatever this guy does, because he's the one who said champions of life. Right. Whatever he does is going to be ridiculed. And also, he his team was horrible that night. I mean, happened to come back against Georgia Tech, but his team wasn't great. And the trash can, which is for takeaways, when a takeaway went down, a, a player missed the trash can. So that was also kind of a highlight. That, that's true, but the missing of the trash can, I believe that was for the fumble late in the game that did win the game for them. I mean, if there's no, Fair. If they don't force that fumble, they don't win the game. Well, why are we talking trash can when we legitimately had a pimps up, hose down, pimp stick, and then also a rope chain that would make two live crew jealous? Like, that was, those are more important than well, any trash can. I'm sure Uncle Luke approve the rope chain first <laughs> i loved it in fact i could text him if you'd like and ask him if he approved the rope oh chain. big time andy staples yeah, talking about name dropping that's my name drop right there well that's, we that's no, the only hip-hop guy i have in my in my cell phone I, oh, you don't have I, young jeezy in your cell I, phone I, I lost bun b's number i don't know why you i had tried bun b I mean, no i'm kidding i did not have <laughs> that would bun b's be amazing number. if you did i know i know several people who have it but that's not me unfortunately all right, so here's the deal. We're gonna do. We're doing two podcasts a week, and again, make sure you subscribe, hit the subscribe button, spread the word, put it up on Facebook. It's your only podcast you need to listen to when it comes to college football and Andy Staples' food advice. Really, that's true. That's what it comes down to. You did say at the end of the last one, though, episode two. That we don't really know much. Okay, so Bama handled their business, and Michigan handled their business, and mm-hmm. Baylor and Texas lose. And but there really wasn't much settled after it had settled. But now we've got Auburn, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State in the back-to-back, Georgia, Notre Dame for the first time I think in 37 years, yep. and then the nightcap, Stanford at USC. Place at the table. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's going to be a fun, fun week. I, I I just I hate that it's all at once together. They're all at night. I know. And, and early I, in September again with the big I, games. I've asked ESPN people why they put all their good games on at the same time because it seems kind of silly. And they say it's better to just own prime time. Now, in this case, we have three networks doing this. So they all want their own piece of prime time because you have NBC with the Notre Dame home game. You have Fox with the, the Pac-12 game. And then you have ABC slash ESPN with the Ohio State, Oklahoma, and the Clemson 
uh, Auburn game. So it's it's one of those things where they're just going to bombard us. And I guess if if every other game's a dog and only one of them's good, then that's fine. But what happens if two or three of them are good? But also, what happens if Andy Staples doesn't make it to Columbus? I guess we should do real life here. Irma is barreling down on Florida as we speak, and you and your family have decisions to make here, maybe an audible. Yeah. No, I may not go to Columbus. I may, uh, I may stay here and then see what happens. Because the way, the way this works is the timing of it, we would probably need to leave. If, if it is coming our way and the, the current projection would have it hitting us as a Category 3, which is weird because we are inland in Florida and that's a pretty strong storm if it's a three by the time it gets to us. Uh, but a category three would just knock down every tree here and there'd be no power and there'd be flooding. So yeah, we'd be out of here if that was going to happen. So we would have to leave probably Sunday morning, but you know, the way it's going, it's, it's tracking further East now. So it may not hit us at all. That's, that's the joy of living in hurricane country is you just sit there and watch, refresh the weather channel website to see if the track changes well that's the reason the dude the dude that was doing the arbitration or the judge for the zeke elliott case they got the answer in late or the ruling in late because the judge was apparently quote watching the weather channel so then it's completely taken over everybody's planet him and nick saban nick saban watches the weather channel religiously well that's why i didn't have to watch the eclipse he's like dude, he I, got the weather about it. I got the weather channel yeah. all right so we're gonna go through the top 25 preview here on place at the table but can we start with some of the quarterback situations yeah Okay. You have up at SI.com a a great piece. Uh, I would call it a great piece, an extensive piece on my man at Georgia, the freshman. From From, who took over for Easton when he got injured. Uh, A great piece at SI.com. We will get to that. Francois, we know, is out for the year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that now brings in Blackman, who is a true freshman. And and not an early enrollee true freshman, a showed up in June true freshman. I'm here. And he looks right. And he looks like it, but again, completely changes the landscape of Florida State moving it forward. It does, yeah. And and I mean, this guy's six five, like one eighty five. It's he's a skinny dude, and he's going to get hit by some big, big dudes coming up. As far as Florida, your alma mater, do they even have a quarterback? Franks, Zaire, They're, Del Rio was five and one last year, but he didn't see any time. Of all the oars on the Florida depth chart, quarterback didn't have one at the starter. They said Felipe Franks is the starter, and then it was Zaire or Del Rio as the backup. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but it, it certainly seems like Franks will be the guy. And it's, it was interesting because you had Florida players complaining that Franks did not get a fair shot in the Michigan game, that they didn't they should have left him in, but he's at, he has the highest ceiling. Uh, Mark Thompson, their running back, was the one who said, you know, why not just leave the guy in? Now, we'll get to this, but I can tell you my friends in Michigan, specifically Ann Arbor, the world is collapsing because of Spate. O'Corn, and now Spate threw two pick sixes Mm -hmm. uh, against Florida, which was the only hole in Michigan's game. But there really is some concern with Spate. Sure. I mean, look, they lost the Ohio State game because of pick sixes. So I understand why they would be concerned if – after an entire offseason, what do you see? Two pick sixes in a row. It just throws high, too. Yeah, he's just, it's weird because O'Corn's ready to go. Uh, but I know Harbaugh wants Spate to play. Yeah, I, look, if if O'Corn was better, Harbaugh would play him. I don't think Harbaugh is a sentimental type. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not, I just want this guy to play because I like him more. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. He clearly thinks Spate is the better guy to lead the offense. So it, and it must be a pretty wide gulf if you're willing to let those pick sixes go and still roll with him. We're going to get into Easton and from let's hold off on that until we get to the Notre Dame game, which by the way, will be my pick for this week, Notre Dame and Georgia. We'll get to that in just a bit. Rosen, I guess he's not human because what Rosen did in that fourth quarter, right before our last podcast was ridiculous. Um, I think he put up like almost 250 yards in the fourth. So NFL fans are salivating. It's, Here's the thing about Rosen. He has the classic look, size, arm. Pocket passer. He has the mechanics, but he has the improvisational skills. And that's, you know, I think if you look at Rodgers, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, that's they're, they're really good athletes who would prefer to stay in the pocket, 
but but can improv if they get in trouble and not not improv is by I'm faster than everybody I, I'll just outrun the people down the field because that works in college but doesn't work in the NFL. They can improv by staying alive in the pocket, keeping the play alive, and turning it into a scramble drill. That's the thing that will help him at the next level more than anything else, and that's the thing they're you know that's why a lot of the scouts are gaga over. And Darnold, Darnold's human. Okay, so we can pump the brakes a little bit through two picks against Western Michigan. I told you everybody tear Darnold uh, it's apart. It's one, dude. It's one game. He's going to be fine. <laughs> it's one game. He's going to be fine. Speaking of, but, well, but well, didn't I tell you? Yes. Darnold will be the guy who gets ripped apart because he's the one who got all the offseason hype. If Rosen had gotten all the offseason hype, we, we'd still be ripping his first three quarters and be like, well, yeah, the fourth quarter was fine, but. Right. Yeah, no, I understand. Now, you do. Fedora's your guy at North Carolina. I like Larry Fedora. He's got a tough game coming up this week against Louisville after dropping the game to Cal. Every game's going to be tough for them. Now, he gets the LSU transfer, Brandon Harris, and he was doo-doo. So there's questions at quarterback with North Carolina. They lost a ton, obviously, from last year. Yeah, they lost all their production on offense, so I didn't expect them to be very good this season. Uh, Just... I didn't expect them to be quite that bad, as bad as they were in the first game. But I don't know. They weren't Florida bad, were they? They weren't Florida bad. You can definitely hang your hat on that. As far as Maryland beating Texas, Pigram is done for the year. But they love Kasim Hill. That was the guy that they had been. It's a freshman. After third and 19, I love Kasim Hill, too. That was ridiculous. And that, but you <laughs> know what? That is the truth. That's one of those things where you go 50-50. Is it they're picking up third and 19, or is it the Texas defense that has like 10 returning starters? Oh, yeah, no. Well, as I learned last last year, when I assumed Texas beating Notre Dame meant it wouldn't the season wouldn't end in a coaching search. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of tell: Are both these teams just mediocre, or are they both bad? And we won't know that till we see Maryland play a few more games. But I liked Maryland. I, I thought me too. They were physical. They were tough. You know, DJ Durkin's an interesting cat. He's worked for Urban Meyer. He's worked for Jim Harbaugh. He's a very smart dude. I I don't know you. You keep winning with Maryland. Somebody else may come calling soon because there's a lot of big old jobs that could be open. Big name transfers as well this year. And I think we should start with one in Stidham at Auburn. And why don't we get to one of those biggie matchups? Place at the table! (laughs) 13 Auburn at 3 Clemson. Now remember, this was the first game of the year last year, Andy, with Clemson holding on 19 to 13. Yeah, that Auburn D showed up that game. That's the game where you're like, woo. Ooh, this is a little different. Auburn's playing some defense. And Auburn's offense was just horrible. It will not be horrible this time. But it's in Death Valley. And mm-hmm. you saw what happened with Clemson against Kent State, Auburn against Georgia Southern. They both just ran the ball. They're not going to show anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson ran for 353. Auburn goes 351. Uh, Kelly Bryant looked good. And then Jarrett Stidham had two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. But really, I mean, this is this is week one for these two teams. This is what it's about. Yeah, and we're going to learn. Like, I feel like we know a lot about Clemson. We've seen a lot of these players play in huge games. Now, we don't know as much about Kelly Bryant, but I just I give them the benefit of the doubt because they've recruited well. You know, it's not the first time they've they've had a really good quarterback leave and then replaced him with a really good quarterback because everybody's like, "How are you going to replace Taj Boyd?" And they're like, "I think he's going to be okay." <laughs> <laughs> and Deshaun Watson showed up. Yeah. So, it, you know, I. I think we know a little more about Clemson. Auburn is the one I'm curious about because if Auburn's offense is that much improved and its defense is is just this, I'll take the same as last year from Auburn's defense. If it's just the same as last year, that's a team that could make some noise in the SEC. And they get Petway back this week, right? They do they and Johnson do. ran well last week? Yep, and then their receivers will will all be back, and so you will actually get to see quite a bit more out of Auburn. But what, with Clemson, I mean, again, Dabo, your boy Dabo, has just – it's a pipeline now. And, so, and defensively, whether it's Wilkins or Lawrence, they're front, it's going to be – running against Clemson is going to be a different story, obviously. Right, exactly. I mean, those are just some ferocious dudes on Clemson's D-line. Dexter Lawrence is one of the largest human beings <laughs> you'll ever meet and should not be able to move that fast and be that big. It probably should be illegal, but – it is a challenge. That's Braden Smith and that Auburn offensive line will have to pretty much play their their best game. But the thing is, if they can run on Clemson, 
there is a team that they play at the end of their schedule that it might mean they can run on them too. Big game for Malzahn? Huge. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, it's just, it is, it, like, and you've been there. I've been there. Death Valley at night. There are, across the SEC, you can say this about many schools, but and that's the ACC, obviously, but across the Atlantic and down there, I mean, at night, it's kind of a different vibe. LSU's one. But it, this is going to be an atmosphere that's going to be off the hook. Oh, it's amazing. I think the best thing ESPN has done in college football coverage in the last five years is that that game where Clemson opened against Georgia right. at Death Valley, and they did the whole uh, cam car shot of the bus ride <laughs> and the whole entrance, and they had the kind of the point of view. It like, felt dangerous. It felt, yeah, it felt well, dangerous. Have you, have you ever stood at the top of that hill? Well, the hill is steep it's AF. It's super steep. Like, I don't know how... More people don't suffer compound fractures. Roll an ankle? I mean, yeah. it really doesn't make any sense to do it. It's terribly <laughs> – and they have had people get hurt. Like, a few years ago, they had a punter or a kicker get hurt doing it. Right. No, it, it literally doesn't make any sense. Um, but when you t- when you talk about – because in the open, I mentioned it now week one in the books, and all that happened, Ohio State and Bama, business as usual. But you know what? We leave out Clemson, and I know you're high on them, but Clemson, it should, it should be Bama – Ohio State and Clemson business yeah. as usual. Absolutely, the, the the casual college football fan thinks this was all Deshaun Watson's doing. Right, does not understand the recruiting that Clemson is on the same level as Alabama and Ohio State, and really those three are probably alone, or not alone, they're together. But but those three are probably on a tier, and then everybody else is below them. All right, four big. Top 25 matchups. Let's get into the next one. This is also going to be my pick. Notre Dame, number 24 in the country, hosting Georgia. Now, 37 years ago, Andy Staples, Vince Dooley, not the other Dooley. This is the last national championship for Georgia. I believe they beat them in the Sugar Bowl, but this is the first, like the second time literally in these two programs' history they'll play each other. Yeah, it's strange because Notre Dame plays everybody, and Georgia's always – had a pretty good out-of-conference game that they'll play. Now, a lot of times it is Clemson because they're so close together. Right. You know, they're they're basically an hour and ten minutes apart, so uh, they play a ton. But, yeah, you'd think they would have played more. But, no, they, this is this is a big one. I, I And it was interesting talking to some of the Georgia players. And you forget how young everybody is. And then I was talking to Davin Bellamy on Monday. I went over to, to Athens and – He's one of their linebackers, and he's one of their older guys. And he's like, yeah, you know, back in the day when I was watching Notre Dame, they had guys like Brady Quinn. And I'm like, it's <laughs> embarrassing. Wait, they were still not good or not that great then. They won They won some games. They played in two BCS Bowls. We got trashed in both of those right. BCS Bowls. So, like, I, I'm thinking a lot like, when I was a kid and, like, they had Sidney Rice and they were winning national championships. I was going to say, I just, got, I just felt older when you even used that reference. Did I say Sidney Rice? Yeah. Well, uh, that's Tony a wonderful Rice. receiver. Sidney Rice played in South Carolina. Wonderful receiver Tony for Rice. South Carolina. Tony Rice, sorry. Preceded Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, no, yeah. I know who you're talking yeah, about. No, and they had, uh, they had Michael Stonebreaker. I loved hearing Ron Keith Jackson Paulus. say his name. <laughs> no, we're getting now. We're getting into the bad times. Now we're getting into the gross. Ron times. Paulus is going to win four Heisman oh, trophies. Dude, Bino, he loved him. Bino <laughs> Cook loved Paulus. All right. So here's the thing to understand, though, with Kirby in Georgia. Fromm's a five star. Eason was a legit five star. So I just get. I'm fascinated as well when you know Eason essentially is going to start that he was able to procure Fromm, who was a big time recruit. Well. That's the deal. So Fromm was committed to Alabama when Kirby was the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Do you know who his lead recruiter was from Alabama? Kirby Smart. So Kirby gets the Georgia job, immediately targets Fromm. Fromm was a Bulldog fan for life, grew up a a Georgia fan, and as soon as he got the offer, he was in. So this is a guy who he's doing this because this is where he's always wanted to play. And I asked Kirby about it on Monday. I said, you know, how much did he ask about depth chart? And at that point, Eason hadn't started yet, but it was, it was pretty obvious Eason was going to be the starter either last year or this year. And Kirby goes, he didn't ask at all. Didn't seem to care. Hmm. And see, I, I want that. That's, what I, that's why I like Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama. He didn't care that Jalen Hurts started as a true freshman. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'll go compete with him. Right. That, that tells me that that guy knows he's good. Like, here's a, another example. 
Cam Newton and Tim Tebow signed with Florida the same year. Right. Neither one was scared of the other. That tells you something about those guys. But as much as we talk now in Notre Dame, in Notre Dame circles, uh, Wimbush has been talked, uh, he's been touted higher than even, you know, Zaire or Kaiser. They've been waiting for this dude and a dual threat. But as much as we talk about Fromm and Wimbush, I think it does come down to the running games. Chubb and Michelle and then Dexter Williams and Josh Adams who ran for, along with Wimbush, against Temple over 420 yards. Well, Notre Dame's offensive line will get Sick. Big. really good. Um, and, and a lot of pro prospects. George's is, is probably not as good. But Notre Dame's defense might not be as good as Georgia's defense. So it, it, it may balance itself out. Although uh, the Georgia coaches seemed a little more concerned about the Notre Dame defense after seeing the Temple game than they were during their preseason film study because uh, I think the, the thought was you're going to get this set of guys who played last year, and it turns out there's some guys that beat them out. And so G- Notre Dame's D might be a little bit better than it was last year. And like that's what Notre Dame needed. Notre Dame wasn't 4-8 and eight last year because its offense couldn't move the ball. Notre Dame was 4-8 because they couldn't stop anybody. Right. This is in Kirby just starting to recruit his own players and, of course, defensive identity. This is, I mean, a monstrous game. In a season last year where Georgia lost like five games by four or less points, like this is Kirby's year. I mean, this would be for him just a defining win. It would, but it's not even the most important game they play in September. <laughs> which is which is amazing if you think about it. I mean, but going to South Bend, first time ever starting for From, it's a big spot. It's a huge spot. And, you know, it, it, everybody kept saying, well, this is not your typical freshman. Uh, he's not going to be nervous. And you kind of wonder, are you guys saying this because you want us to believe it? Are you saying it because you want yourselves to believe it? Or are you saying it because it's really true? But you said it at SportsIllustrated.com, and I just read it, and you said this kid is cool as a cucumber. So you he said sure it, Staples. Seem, he sure seems like it. I mean, he – he from now, they don't let freshmen talk very much. And so he did – I know he did an interview with Maria Taylor right after he got there uh, from ESPN, but I, I haven't – he hasn't really gotten to talk much other than that. But just judging from the stories you've seen and the, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff they put up, uh, there's a lot of that dude quality to him, and it reminds me a lot of another guy who wore number eleven at Georgia, maybe like a pumped up version of Aaron Murray. Fromm's a little bit thicker, but Murray's probably a little more athletic. But but in terms of the intangibles, it, it looks pretty similar. Easton with the better arm, Easton the much better arm, but Fromm maybe the better all the other stuff. I mean, if you watch the Appalachian State game. When Fromm was in there, there was a confidence about that offense that you never saw at all last year. Now, it's hard to say that whether you would have seen it or not with Easton this year because he only got to play like eight snaps. He'll be transferring. I <laughs> just mark, already mark, starting mark, it. mark it here. Oh, place somebody, at the got, table. somebody got <laughs> mad at me because in my Monday column, I suggested that if Easton gets healthy in the middle of the season and Fromm is doing well, that there's going to be some kind of controversy. And the guy's like, how dare you try to chin up a quarterback controversy? I'm like, that's what's going to happen. No, that'll definitely, especially in an obsessed school like George. But I, did you see the NCAAs opening up the idea that, that, rec- that transfers don't have to sit uh, out for let, a year? Let, let me tell you what this is. Chaos. No, no, no. That's not what's going to happen because they're not yet to the stage where they get comments from the schools. They floated this a little early just because they want the schools to completely trash it. They, they, this, is a, this is a lick your finger and check the wind thing. Right. They also want to see how the fans respond to it because the fans have turned against the NCAA for the most part. They, you know, 20 years ago, if some guy took 300 bucks – the fans were like, give him the death penalty. Now the fans are like, wait, why is that bad? But I think just willy-nilly transferring, I don't think the casual fan's going to get behind. So I think this is a test balloon, and they'll probably come up with some – they're kind of come up with more reasonable transfer rules, but it's not going to be that free, I don't think. All right, on our preview podcast, on our preview, when we get into the top 25, I'm going to give a pick. I'm a big gambler. Andy Staples is a family man, okay? But what I like to do is waste money as a 39-year-old man. But I, <laughs> here's my pick this week, Andy. I like, Ge- right. I like Georgia catching four and a half points. 
there's no chance. Now, the Irish last year. Now, ca- catching four and a half points means Georgia plus four and a half, right? They're the underdog. <laughs> yeah. is, that what is that what we're saying? Let me walk you through this. Okay. Georgia can lose by four, and I yeah. still win my bet. Yes, I, I, I got that part. They were okay. f- Now, the Irish go for 422 on the ground last week, and that is just not going to happen. Um, and, and Brian Kelly was talking about they've got like nine dudes who contribute up front on Georgia's defense, whether it's, I mentioned, Thompson or Ledbetter, whomever. Mm-hmm. I just do not see that happening. And on the other side, I like Michelle and Chubb better. Uh, I do like after reading your column is when I kind of shifted to this game because of the, <laughs> because of the jockeying of Fromm. So it'll be my fault when you lose. It'll be it'll be your fault. And when, I mentioned when, when you, Notre Dame wins by five, it's going to be my fault. Georgia eight and five last year lost. Well, I think three games by three points or less. Yeah. I, I just I like one more year under Kirby Smart. Mel Tucker he brought over from Bama, I believe. He so did, yeah. this is Georgia covered six of their last eight road games. That's a little geeky in the game parlance but they cover they play well um the Notre Dame offensive line scares me because I think Notre Dame's going to still be able to run the ball uh but I think this is going to be a tight game and I think Georgia covers excuse me I think Georgia within you know four I'm catching four and a half I'll take that I don't think Notre Dame covers right I I'll be curious to see because so Georgia is uh pretty thin in the secondary they're they're talented on the front line but I believe Parrish is out so that's a problem. And if they suffer another injury or so among the starters in the secondary, they get torn up by a good quarterback, and they are playing a good quarterback with a lot of good targets. Equinemia St. Brown, brother of Osiris and Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, I think he's he could have a pretty big game if, if Georgia's secondary gets dinged up a little bit. The, the Notre Dame number in gambling, in the gambling world, the Notre Dame number is often built by the public as well. Mm-hmm. So I always look to play against Notre Dame. You're going to have yeah. a lot of public money because they're on NBC and they're... So you're the smart money. I'm the oh, smart money coming the, in on the other sh- side. You're a sharp... <laughs> Give me the four and a half in Georgia and from all day, every day. All right, let's get to the next one. I'm going to hold off on the Ohio State and Oklahoma game until our last one. Stanford, number 14th ranked team in the country. USC, number six. This is at the Coliseum. Coliseum. Now, yes. it's in L.A. And here's the thing that's important. Helton is undefeated at home since he's taken over, what, middle of the 2015 season. But he is 0-2 uh, against Stanford. And Stanford simply beats uh, Southern Cal at home. That's just been the trend lately. Well, Stanford has beaten them pretty handily the last three times. Uh, they're not a great matchup for USC. USC had a two-game win streak in there, but I think it's I think Stanford's won five of the last seven. I want to say so. Yes. It, it's not a pretty matchup, and <clears throat> I think a lot of it is USC kind of plays into Stanford's hands. You know, because USC, they're spread out a little bit, but they're not they're not any sort of gimmicky offense. You know, they're, they're going to spread you out, but they're still going to they're still going to try to run, you know, power and and run straight at you. Stanford's built to stop that. So I mean, we'll see. But the Stanford using the tight end more in the rice game was was very promising for their offense because that's they were missing that last year. And it, that's what seemed off about them. And they still, I mean, they still won nine games last year. Is this, they just didn't seem like themselves. Is it a preview of the Pac-12 title game? A lot of people keep saying that, but I have a hard time not picking Washington in the North. I, I, I just like the way Washington's constructed. David Shaw, and it's uh, maybe it's a little slept on because it's Stanford. All he he wins conference championships and wins ten plus games every year. He, he does. They're, I mean, they're remarkably consistent. But I think Washington is built to to play against them and, and compete with them. You know, it's interesting how the dynamics have changed because Oregon ruled the North for so long and it was all about speed and spreading you out. Now, Washington and Stanford have speed, but they are also going to beat you up on the line of scrimmage. And so it's it's changed the dynamics. I like that. Do you like the one week layoff for Stanford coming into this game? Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously they, traveled to Australia and then had a week off. But but you got a You got a sense of what you needed to work on. And then you had two weeks to work on USC. USC had to play what I kept telling people was a pretty good opponent, and nobody would believe me. But in Western Michigan, Western yeah. Michigan, with a bunch of dudes who just played in the Cotton Bowl, was not going to be afraid of the Coliseum. And uh, you saw it; they gave him a game for three and a half quarters. So, and, 
Now, both teams experience front seven on the defensive side. Both teams can run the ball, right? Bryce Love was not yeah. 180, and then what, and Scarlett? Jones, Jones was – oh, oh jo uh, Jones for USC. Yeah, and then and then Carr, the freshman here at USC. Um, the question about Stanford is, are they going to be just – you know, Chris is going to get most of the snaps, but whether it's mm -hmm. Costello or whomever, are they just going to be rotating all year? It's a good question. It seems like they want Chris to be the guy. Uh, uh, Greg McElroy, who I do shows with on, on college, uh, well, sorry, ESPNU radio on Sirius XM. Get it uh, right. That's right. Got to, got to rebrand. Uh, but Greg is a huge KJ Costello fan. And it's interesting, you know, a national championship winning quarterback looks at a guy and says, I really like that guy. I, I take that advice to heart. So I am kind of curious to see how that how that dynamic works, but it sure seems like they want Chris, uh, they want Keller Chris to be the guy. So off the week layoff, Stanford looks for four straight against the Trojans, and it feels like Staples, you're leaning towards Stanford. I am. I, what, what's Vegas say about this game? Vegas, do we have that one, Dustin? Vegas has this game at, what, what do they have it at? Uh, USC favored by six points. Ooh, oh, gross. <laughs> Get all over Stanford on that one. <laughs> that, that line's jump, moved a little jump, bit. Jump on Stanford. Yeah, I mean, I'll take the six all day. That is, I, I thought it was going to be closer to three. Uh, I, don't give out, I don't give out gambling tips, but take that gambling tip from Andy. Basically, evenly matched team, and then there's really no home field, uh, like I mentioned, with Stanford and USC lately. So, interesting. Huge game for Helton, though. Uh, you know, Helton and Darnold both kind of took off together last year after Max Brown. Um, but this is, I mean, Shaw has beaten up on USC, so big game for Helton. Yeah, and this is one that, look, this is the type of team you will have to beat in December. It may actually be the team you have to beat in December, but they don't have Washington on their regular season schedule. So they don't have to deal with them this year. They actually beat the hell out of them in, in Seattle last year. But, you know, I, this is a different year, different team. This is the, the chance to show, hey, you can beat the kind of team that you're going to have to play in December. Okay, before we get to Ohio State hosting Oklahoma, I just want to run through a, a few of the other top 25 matchups and just get kind of a cursory look at it from you. Mm -hmm. uh, Oklahoma State, South Alabama, you probably don't really have a ton to say about that matchup. Well, it, it, it's weird because they're going to South Alabama on a Friday night. Ten years ago, they went to Troy on a Friday night, and they lost. Now, this is a very different team. This team should not have any trouble with South Alabama, even though – you know, South Alabama beat Mississippi State last year, I know. But Oklahoma State should not have any problems. But just curious coincidence that 10 years later, they're playing a directional school in Alabama on the road, which is you never see Power 5 teams go, go on the road like that. So interestingly enough, that Troy game, after the game, the, the quarterback for Oklahoma State who had just been benched, uh, one of the reporters sees his mom, the quarterback's mom, feeding him chicken. And uses that as a lead to a column that ran the following, not the next day, but eight days later when they played Texas Tech. And one Mike Gundy was offended by this column. In what way? Well, I believe you've heard what he said about it about I'm, I'm a million times. I'm 40 years old, homeboy. That's right. That's right. I'm a man. I'm 40. Come after me. By the way, Oklahoma State, ever since you went to SI.com and dropped them in your Final Four, I've seen a lot of support for Oklahoma State well, and Stillwater. I mean, water. look, they beat the hell out of Tulsa last week. Tulsa's good. Like, they made them look, they made them look like a cupcake. Right. That was, that was one of the more impressive performances of week one. And not a lot of people were watching it because Ohio State, Indiana was fairly interesting for most of the game. So people kind of turned away from from Oklahoma State and Tulsa, but they they just dom just dominated them. So, yeah, I I like Oklahoma State. I, I, I think these are guys that they've won some games. They've also lost some games they shouldn't have lost. So they understand kind of what you need to do, how much you got to catch some breaks, get lucky along the way. But you also – there's a standard you have to play to every week. 
I think they get that. So first true, first true home game at the Big House for Michigan this year. Luke Fickle brings. He's going to try to establish a program with Cincinnati. After, to be honest, Cincinnati with Brian Kelly and then Butch Jones um, kind of had a little nice run going. Now Fickle tries to pick up the pieces, uh, but they're going to be overmatched in Ann Arbor. Yes, they will. We saw how talented Michigan is last week. I get that they didn't start last year, but guess what? They're all really good. They gave up 192 total yards against Florida. Yeah. An they, SEC they, offense. They're really good. Yeah. Well, SEC offense might be debatable. L- loosely. It's <laughs> just the f- most fascinating part since McElwain left Colorado State is he came over just hoping to fix an offense, and the defense continues to thrive, and they've got nothing offensively, cannot find a quarterback. It is it is stunning. And, you know, you go through the what-ifs, and, like, what if Will Greer hadn't transferred? What if uh, they had – decided to take Paxton Lynch when they had the chance. What if Muschamp had never been fired? Lamar Jackson had signed there. Right. It's crazy what ifs, but I think they got to give Felipe Franks a chance. Let him, let him play a full game, see what you've got in him, and then see if there's room for improvement and, and things that you can correct along the way because they're better off with the guy with the high ceiling growing into a good quarterback than they are just kind of shuffling piecemeal and nobody ever having any you know, cohesiveness on offense. Lamar Jackson and Louisville, kind of some tricky, two tricky games to start, right, Andy? Because Purdue uh, and then travel now, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Now, Fedora does this. Two two years ago, he lost to a, a just an absolutely atrocious South Carolina team yep. in week one. I think that was and in Charlotte. And then they didn't lose again until the ACC but then, title game. And then they were in the national championship conversation. I mean, they Spurrier quit on that team. They were so bad. Yeah. Um, but... Tricky, I say, because obviously new coach at Purdue, and then they come back another road game at North Carolina. But Louisville, mistakes made. Lamar Jackson's still a study. He accounted for like, I don't know, 500 total yards. Now, I will say something that was interesting to me about the Louisville-Purdue game. Everybody's like, oh, Louisville's offensive line still th- stinks. They actually blocked fairly well. They had some false start penalties. That's something you can fix week to week. If you're, if you're physically dominated, you can't fix that. But you can fix false start penalties. So, I, who knows? They might be a, they might be a player in this thing. You know that Cal defense is going to be better just because the head coach. But Brandon uh, yeah. Brandon Harris passed for sixty yards. Yeah, it may just be that that he wasn't as good as he was hyped to be as a recruit. And I, I feel bad for Brandon Harris because he's not the one who hyped himself as a recruit. So he just walked into that. He then gets thrown in against Auburn as a true freshman in a game. He had no business starting. That probably helped wreck his psyche a little bit more. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. He hasn't lived up to the recruiting hype, and he didn't make the recruiting hype. He's been the same quarterback the whole time. Hide your girlfriends, Wisconsin. Lane's coming to town. FAU, they couldn't stop the Navy option, obviously. Uh, Wisconsin's going to build on the second half. They ran all over. Um, The question, question, they they played Utah State. Yeah, they all over Utah State for like 234. Um, But the question is what? They need, the question is, will Wisconsin bother throwing a couple touchdown passes to Troy Fumigali, or will they just run the ball the entire time? I mean, so Taylor and Shaw are both studs. Hornybrook, he had three touchdowns against Utah State, but really didn't throw for much. Yeah, I mean, why why bother throwing if you know you're playing Navy that, that or playing FAU that got shredded by Navy? Now, this is obviously Wisconsin doesn't run the option; they run a much more pro style type deal, but they're just going to be able to blow open holes. I do have a question for you about Lane. Mm-hmm. Has he been accompanying you on, on your eat segment? Not be. I'm being. Is he, is he getting a little? He's little being heavy? fat. Yeah, and it appears. I don't know if he's just going through things, but is he a drinker? He's well, got a whole bloated thing going on where it appears. I know the divorce, the situation at Alabama. It appears he's been eating and drinking. That's just me looking from the outside in. I I don't know his nighttime habits. But oh, we kind of do. Well, Joey, fresh water, a li- little bit, but. I don't know what he's consuming while that while that is going on. That's the question. Right. So, I don't I mean, it's it's interesting cuz in person he looks more in shape than he does in pictures. But the think him. pieces on him are always interesting because there's not a lot of thought. Right. 
No, I'm yeah. being serious when I talk about Lane. He doesn't ever say anything that's overly erudite or interesting. Uh, no, he was. He looked for a lot of light in his in the house that he was looking for. <laughs> he just says weird stuff. No, he's a funny tweeter. But he has a funny tweet, and he's got a dry sense of humor. But he so does Belichick. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these football coaches, though, I mean, they think about football a lot, and they don't think about a whole lot else, and that makes them a little antisocial. Fresno State, have fun, boys, in the Bama home opener. First time these two teams have ever met. Now Jeff Tedford's there, and yeah. he can coach. But Fresno State has a long well, no, way no, no. to go. He, he could coach. We'll see if he can coach right. again. He could coach when it was Cal in 2004. And Aaron Rodgers. That was a long time ago. Now, Bama, if we're going to look at this realistically, though, uh, Christian Miller, Terrell Lewis, gone for the year. They're right. two outside linebackers. Two other linebackers hurt. So it's not like Bama doesn't have issues. Now, they reload every year, but those are two big losses. It, they are, and, and you, th- you kind of thought those would be the guys – that would replace Tim Williams and, and Ryan Anderson, who were very hard to replace, by the way. But it sounds like they were practicing Deshaun Hand at outside linebacker a little bit uh, because it looks like they have a little more depth at defensive end so they could move him. Which, the fact that he can move from 3-4 defensive end it's to 3-4 outside linebacker just tells you what kind of athletes these dudes are. Yeah, Damian Harris, obviously a stud. Calvin Ridley was good. Um the question there's two things one constantly all we're going to hear is can Hertz push it down the field that's it that's the whole whole narrative uh, with I him. don't think we're going to hear that as much they're not going to play a defense as good as Florida State's until especially at, secondary right until at least the LSU game crazy news sad news tragic news with Mike Loxley's son who was murdered on Sunday night Ugh. he went to wherever that was and i'm sorry for not having the information on monday and he was back at practice on tuesday horrible story yeah i feel bad and and you know i've i've known loxley for a while he he coached at florida under ron zook when i was on the beat there and kind of followed his career and great recruiter i hate to hear this because uh, i i mean just i just can't even imagine what that would be like as a parent how do you? How is he back at practice? I don't ever judge because you don't know how somebody wants to handle the grieving process. But it's like he was back at practice on Tuesday. It's the sort of thing you might want to have an outlet for. That's the, fair. The, the practice may give you an outlet because think that I mean that is crushing pain. Right Terrible. There. Can't so. even imagine. Let's talk about the next one, Pitt at Penn State. I mentioned Max Brown. He's the transfer from USC now at Pitt. Remember, Pitt beat. Penn State and Clemson last year. Out of yes. no, now it, it, Penn State is. I mean, let's be honest. Saquon Barkley, I think he had close to 250 all-purpose in Week One and two touchdowns. So he can. That's what NFL teams love about him: is the fact that he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Yeah, and that offense looked so smooth. And I realize it was only Akron, but everything was working. I'm not. I don't. I don't think Pitt's defense has gotten that much better since last year. And I think they're going to have real trouble stopping Penn State. And Narduzzi was so great with defense at Michigan State. But I know. They, I, I feel bad for him because it, it must drive him insane. But McSorley has weapons. Uh, Johnson, Hamilton, the tight end. Yeah. That had two touchdowns last week as well. So uh, I don't think they're going to have issues. TCU at Arkansas. You know, the TCU team brings up something that we saw with the greatest college comeback ever in Kevin Sumlin. Uh, Kenny Hill transferred out of Texas A&M. So did Kyle Allen. So did Kyler Murray. Like This is, and I bring it up because now Kenny Hill is senior at TCU at four touchdown passes week one. He's got talented wide receivers. And Gary Patterson, who's been there probably close to 20 years, at TCU has got a ranked team again. They go to Arkansas and Fayetteville. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting what's going on with Texas A&M. That, that, that you think now, I I think Kenny Hill would have left anyway. But Kyle Allen or Kyler Murray, had they stayed, would be the entrenched starter at Texas A&M right now. But he botched it with the two of them because he pissed both of them off the way that he used them. Right, right. So, do you think just as an aside? Do you think – now, the regent going off was Bush League and ridiculous on Facebook. Yeah. but Because that hurts recruiting as well. Right. Do you think Sumlin, who has been riding that 11-win season with Johnny, do you think he, he uh, makes it through the year? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, five and three in the SEC is the magic number. If they hit four losses in the SEC fairly early in the season, I think they they will pull the trigger fairly early. And by the way, no surprise what Bielema was going to do. They ran for what two thirty six last week. Chase Hayden, the freshman, went one twenty. They've got a senior in Austin Allen at quarterback. Had three touchdown passes. Uh, actually a very interesting game with TCU going to Fayetteville. Yeah, Arkansas doesn't block that well. Which That's a problem. With with your, It's shocking on a Brett Bielema team. You wouldn't expect that. But yeah, with TCU, I mean, Kenny Hill kind of regressed as a passer last year. He was actually one of his better games was the Arkansas game. Can you call so, him Trill? Uh, he doesn't want to go by Kenny Trill anymore. He never really wanted to go by Kenny Trill in the first place. <laughs> but it, and you remember how it came about. They went to South Carolina. I was there. And, it was nuts. And South Carolina was supposed to be good that year. Right. Went and, to and South that, Carolina and absolutely – that was one of the great college football performances by a quarterback ever. Well, that was a case of us not knowing South Carolina was bad. And then nobody went back and adjusted for it. But Trill was a freshman. He went nuts. He was a sophomore. Was he a sophomore that yeah. year? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I hadn't he, really heard of him. He he played a little as Johnny Football's backup as a freshman, and uh, no, he he so, was incredible. Yeah, so we made you know we all named him Kenny Trill, and the the next Tuesday there's a press conference and people are hurling nicknames at him They're like you like this one what about this one what about this one and somebody goes what about Kenny Trill and he goes yeah I like that I think I like that one the best. That was the entirety of him responding to Kenny Trill, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just blows like some some. Booster calls their parents, his parents, and, and is like, hey, you guys really need to trademark this so nobody can make money off Kenny. And so they're like, oh, we should. So they, you know, fill out, you know, call a lawyer, fill out the paperwork. And I was like, Kenny Trill trademark or Kenny Hill trademarks Kenny Trill. And everybody's like, oh, this kid's head's so big. And it's just now Kenny will tell you he liked the party a little bit too much. Yeah. There are photos. Yeah. The famous photo of him passed out in the planner at Shimmy's. I actually think it's a bit of an A and M rite of passage to pass out at Shimmy's. Happens. It's it, Shimmy's is that every campus has that bar. Shimmy's is that bar for Texas A and M. All right, and finally the biggie here on place at the table. A little home and home. Remember, a young Ohio State team went to Norman last year and beat up on Oklahoma, forty-five to twenty-four, out in Lincoln Riley. Number two, Ohio State hosts number five, Oklahoma. And if you just look at it from the outside in, you wonder, how can Oklahoma do anything? P. Ryan's gone. Westbrook's gone. Mixon's gone. Baker Mayfield is still there. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is still. Mark Andrews is there and healthy. And he's a matchup nightmare. He's a 6'5", 260-pound tight end that runs like a receiver. So that's helpful. But... How will they you – know, this is supposed to be Oklahoma's best offensive line in years, so how will Orlando Brown and those guys do against one of the best defensive lines in the country? I was going to say, all I read, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the defensive line and the linebackers. Now, secondary is a question for Ohio State, but the D-line and linebackers, studs. Yeah. Paris and, and Campbell, I, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, it's just a team in J.T. Barrett back. It's just – I can't – what's the spread on this game, Dustin? What's the number on this game? Ohio State hosting Oklahoma in Columbus. Uh, Ohio State giving seven points. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to so, go up to seven and a half. In in terms of of facing this kind of defense, this is kind of similar to when Mayfield and Oklahoma faced Clemson in the playoff, where they've just got a bunch of freaks on the D line. You know, at that point, it was it was Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd. Like Lawson got hurt in that game, and Kevin Dodd blew up and. You know, they, they had a young Christian Wilkins. And so that's kind of what they're going to see here with Sam Hubbard, with, uh, you know, young Bosa, with Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa doesn't even start because <laughs> you got, you got, is it Jalen Holmes or Tyquan Lewis? I can't remember. I can't remember who starts, but I can name all four of their defense events. That's, that's what you need to know because they're probably all, you know, first or second round type guys. So that number almost is surprising. The the Stanford number is more surprising. Stanford catching six points here in L.A. against USC. But yeah, that was shocking. If if Alabama ended up going seven and a hook, seven and a half points against Florida State week one, I would imagine this Ohio State number goes up to seven and a half against Oklahoma. I would think so because I, I don't know. I, 
what does Oklahoma do defensively to stop Ohio State? Because I think Ohio State, at the end of that Indiana game, kind of figured out what they are. I think Kevin Wilson was doing a little testing. Okay, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? I think they know what they are now. And it's, you know, let's, let's get Paris Campbell the ball 10 yards down the field and then let him run. And you mentioned Wilson being there. It's just his second game as offensive coordinator. He's only going to get more comfortable. Uh, it could get ugly. I mean, I didn't think last year we didn't know a ton when Ohio State went to Norman, and then we walked out of there like, whoa. Yeah. Just because they were so young. And it's interesting because I, I think that was more of an indictment. When you look back on it, knowing what we know now, I think that was much more of an indictment of the Oklahoma defense. Right. Because it turns out that Ohio State offense really wasn't that good. It didn't. It didn't play that well throughout the rest of the year. That's why it was surprising. It will be – can you remember? I mean, I, I'm sure there is from last year we can pull the games, but four biggies in week two like this. These are big. Auburn, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Stanford, USC. Fat ones. Yeah, those are, that's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm glad that the, it, the schedules are working out. The – Conference's choice to move conference games earlier and have big conference games early, I'm so glad they're doing that now. I know people bitch about it, but I like it. I love it. I mean, we're going to know something about the Pac-12. We're definitely going to know something about the Pac-12, and thanks to Texas and Baylor, we know a lot about the Big 12. Yeah. And we're going to know more about the Big 12 because if Oklahoma can salvage a lot with a win in Columbus. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think, think that would be huge. Well, I mean, that would be everything for the Big 12. Because if they lose that game, the only thing the Big 12 has left, you know, I don't know that TCU-Arkansas, if they beat Arkansas, is going to mean very much. The only thing they would have left is Texas going to USC. And after last week, I'm not very confident in Texas's ability to beat USC. Place at the table! <laughs> now, during the preview shows, we're going to be doing in the future the mailbag. We're also going to go down, which is a new segment we have. But whoa, whoa! Because of I'm not into that. The four I, fat ones. I didn't. I don't know. What, what have I agreed to? I don't think you're paying me enough for this. Hey, by the way, for the next pod, where are you going to eat if you stay home? I have stocked up so many food recommendations over the last few weeks. I'll just pull something out. Irma on the way. Chef Staples. It don't matter. What's good with Staples will go down on the next podcast regardless. Some food advice, culinary advice from Andy Staples. You can find him on Twitter at Andy underscore Staples. Find our show on Twitter at P-A-T-T Podcasts. Since you're the expert and you're the big baller, last words, Staples? I don't know how I'm going to watch all these games. Whether I'm, I'm here or in Columbus, somebody just start texting me what's going on. Because... <laughs> I need five no, screens. True. I need it beamed directly into my freaking brain. You know what saved your career? Twitter. Because you could just real time find yeah. out exactly what's doing, know where to switch to. It's oh, all good. If, I, if I'm in the press box, I'm going to have nine screens up. Like, <laughs> I, I need to find, like, I'm going to borrow people's iPads and be like, okay, how do we do this? How do we get it all up? I want the control center at my seat. And the pressure's up now that you're in the podcast game. This is Place at the Table Podcast. Download and subscribe iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. PATTpodcast.com and check us out on Twitter at PATTpodcast. I'm Patrick Maher. That's Andy Staples. It's place at the table.